<sighs> where do I start this week? Huh? I was supposed to start with a story where talk about my life and stuff like that. But after what's happened the last few days, all I can say is, is EasyJet, you're a fucking nightmare. podcast for another week the unleashed version episode two i've sat down here today to record this podcast a little bit pissed off and a little bit annoyed after the developments over the last two days since we released the last podcast there on tuesday you haven't checked it out yet guys you can go check it out on spotify apple music and also on youtube um yeah i'm a little bit annoyed today i was talking to you in the podcast last tuesday um, about mum and dad being away on holiday and stuff like that for a few days um, just a few developments have happened over the last few days things that have happened to them has also happened to me and also friends of mine courtesy of our good friends at EasyJet so interesting but we'll talk about that in just a second when I get the, as what I get to call the housekeeping done before going any further in the podcast guys if you're listening to us for the first time thank you very much for tuning in um, this is the Unleashed version where I can pretty much say what's on my mind on compared to the Tuesday podcast which is more of your family friendly episode if you listen to us on Apple uh, Music Spotify or here on YouTube if you are listening to us on YouTube don't forget to hit subscribe below guys share the podcast while you're friends with family if you're new to the Moor Army uh, welcome aboard um, if you want to check out our YouTube channel you can certainly do that uh, Moor Army YouTube channel we've been around for about six years now dropping content of all sorts also the Red Band Football Ventures channel which is all Liverpool based stuff for myself and the son also, if you want to get in contact with the podcast here, you can certainly do it by dropping us an email or contact us on the social media links, um, which is obviously Instagram, the Facebook page, Moor Army YouTube channel, or Moor Army, uh, Moor Army YouTube channel. Also, the email, which is Podcast at yahoo.com. And also, if you want to check out our merch or get yourself some merch or want to check out previous videos or podcasts or check out all our social media images and pictures and everything else you can think of, the main hub is the Moor Army website, which is moorarmy.co.uk. We are doing a bit of work to that this week to add more merch to it, obviously add the podcasts and more, so moorarmy.co.uk. Some really cool merch actually released this week, some hoodies, t-shirts and things like that. I have a couple of hoodies and t-shirts on the way in the post. So they will be uh, popping up on the the YouTube channel over the next week or two whenever they arrive. Um, They're ready to rock and roll, so if you get them ordered here in the UK, and Ireland, you get them within about three or four days, or if you're abroad, you probably get them within, say, a week or so. So, brewarmy.co.uk for all your merch and more. Guys, I uh, had a bit of a plan wrote out for this week's podcast. Uh, you know, no one last Tuesday's episode there was saying that I'm going to be speaking about telling you a few stories about, you know, my life growing up and, uh, as a kid and growing up and who I am and stuff like that. But then I did mention mum and dad being away on holiday well holiday when i say a break for a few days they're away uh to blackpool so they are and what a fucking disaster i've dropped the first f-bomb <laughs> was it the first f-bomb the second f-bomb i don't know what a what an absolute nightmare 
Now, here's the thing. People who've been following me for quite a long time know for a fact that I travel quite a lot. I travel to Liverpool quite a bit for football games. I like to travel to different places by airplane. Recently, I was in Bristol and Cardiff. You know, I love to travel, do day trips and stuff like that. I've been doing it for a long time, especially since I became a dad. But recently, I've been flying with EasyJet quite a bit. Um, the Liverpool games, which I'll be flying with them next week. Here's the thing. I always fly from Belfast International Airport. I never have a problem at the airport. The security staff are fantastic. Last time me and Lewis were there heading to Cardiff, some of the, the people who work at security recognized us from YouTube and they were cool and they wanted a couple of selfies, which was kind of strange, going through security and taking selfies and whatnot. But lovely guys, lovely people. Guys, when I say guys, guys and girls, fantastic people. Never have an issue until a flight that I always seem to go to, which is a gate 10. And I'm going to be totally honest with you here, guys. And I mean, it's probably not the company's fault. I think it's just this woman's fault. She's just an absolute fucking nightmare. And that's just me being totally fucking honest with you. She's just been, It even happened when we were going to Bristol. Um, there's this woman. I don't know who the hell she is. But she works at this gate. At gate 10. Now, last July there, the July before, when we first went back on holiday again, um, during towards the, should we say towards the end of the, the COVID nineteen fiasco, as I like to call it. Um, this woman appeared at the gate. And I was a week week prior to that. I was at that gate, flying to Liverpool. We were flying to Manchester at that time, and this woman comes up with this really stinking fucking attitude, with a real rotten tone of voice, real upper own ass piece of work. Shoving a card machine in my face and trying to charge me for a fucking bag that I went through the same gate seven days prior, trying to charge me £25 for a fucking charge, which was just completely stupid. Now, I understand when you book your flight online that you book, if, if your bag's over a certain size or weight or whatever, you have to pay a charge, which is understandable. Airlines have been doing it for quite a long fucking time. Which I think a lot of it's a load of bullshit, but that's just my opinion on it all. But this woman insists on shoving her card machine in people's fucking faces and getting into people's faces. And it's not even that. She's not even stopping everybody who has even bigger bags. I had this row with a, not a row, but more of a firm word where there's like, listen darling, I was here a week ago. Oh no, you fucking weren't. Well, didn't you say the word F like, but she might as well have. Oh, no, you weren't. I mean, you want a fucking bet? So I pulled out my phone, showed her the email from my, my flight from the week before. Oh, it's not the point, she says. The point is you have to pay a charge of me. It's not even a big fucking bag. It's a carry-on, like, hold-all. Like it looked more like a fucking school bag than anything else instead of one of your, like, wee small carrying cases. But I, speaking to a few different business people who've been flying through this, this this gate with her over the last while or so, ever since COVID hit, this woman has insisted on in trying to add extra charges to people's baggage and stuff like that. Do you think it's a plot for EasyJet to get more money out of you because they lost so much money with all the flights being halted? I don't know. But this woman was in my face and I basically told her where to go. Then when I was traveling to Bristol a few weeks ago with, with Lewis, my friend Louise and Paula, who were coming through with my friend Joe. Um, big shout out to those guys, by the way. Hope you're all doing well out there. Um, you probably hit tense with my, my tone of voice today. I'm a little bit cheesed off. But this woman pretty much bar barraged herself towards Louise and Paula and charged them for their bag. Here's the thing. 
right? So done that there, and my friend Louise, who's very, very vocal and very, um, like me, doesn't take no shit, pretty much tells it as a spade a spade, which is respectful towards her for that there. You know, you have to be in this day and age now. You don't speak up, you don't get hurt, pretty much. Um, you know, she was in Louise's face, and Louise was really fucking pissed at her, but then whenever they them two went through the gate, these two other people walked behind her with even bigger suitcases, and nothing was said to them. Now, they didn't even pay a charge, they just walked on with hand luggage. This woman just seems to have a fucking vendetta of going around picking out random people and stopping them and, and charging them for these random bags. Now, I go back to the, the main part of the story, but the main... The, the part of it I'm trying to make a point on is mum and dad were at the airport on Tuesday morning and dad I got a call from dad at the at the gate dad was extremely fucking pissed and I mean he was pissed this woman trying to charge like up in their face cheeky attitude no remorse like fucking Hitler basically you know 25 pound and dad's like, I heard dad shouting at her going, what the fuck do you mean £25? I travel with this case to Liverpool. My mum and dad go to Liverpool, as you know, as well, for wee weekend trips and things like that. They love the city because they love going and doing wee different things like that because they fell in love with the city since they first went to the city before COVID. And they take the same wee small tiny bag to do between the two of them for two or three days, which is the, the proper correct size for a hand luggage bag. I even used the same one when we went to, on holiday in July. But this, this fucking, I'm sorry, I'm going to swear again. This evil bitch, I'm sorry, she, this is exactly what she is. She's just no remorse, she's got a cheeky attitude, she doesn't know how to deal with customers. She just speaks to people like they're pieces of shit in the bottom of her shoe. She comes in, mum and dad in her face, tries to charge him for this payment. Dad obviously flips his shit. Now, the thing about dad is, dad's like me. If you speak to us properly, we'll talk to you all day. But if you come up with a stinking fucking attitude and, and stick things up on our face, we're going to basically tell you, the same as anybody, we're going to tell you to shut the fuck up and piss off and leave us alone. But this woman, in mum and dad's face, screaming and shouting, £25 for the... And dad said to her, hold on, what's the reason for this charge? Now this is the thing that fucking pissed me off the most. And this is the thing, I don't want to start the podcast today on a, on, on a, a bad note, because obviously they promise you some stories and stuff. But do what that do what that woman's excuse was. Fucking COVID. Sent oh because of COVID, but my dad looked at her and went, Are you taking the fucking piss? COVID? You're charging me because of fucking COVID? Really? Like I I've heard of some excuses. You know, we talked about COVID on the extreme po- uh, the Unleashed podcast last week about all the silly rules and some of you people have dropped me emails today, which I'm gonna read out about, you know, my thoughts on it and stuff like that. And this woman used COVID as an excuse. Like, nobody... COVID, in my opinion, as even as the WHO even mentioned two weeks ago or whatever it was, the pandemic is coming... Is, is practically over. And this woman is using it to her advantage to gain fucking money. And the fact that she's coming at people like a fucking drill sergeant soldier screaming in people's faces with a rotten attitude and she's coming at people... And I noticed as well she's targeting a lot of the older generation as well, like older people... Who are going to be vulnerable and fucking pay the fee? So anyway, dad obviously didn't accept this, and he was pissed, and he was oh, dad, I can just imagine with dad because dad hung the phone up on me. He was that pissed. I'm surprised dad like literally didn't fucking body slam her in the middle of the fucking in the middle of the fucking uh, uh, the line because dad's the type of person to be like, here, what the f- twenty five pound charge per bag for what? Are you taking the piss, love? Dad told me on the phone. 
that this is what she said. She was like up in his face. She wanted a fucking charge, and she's like, "Well, you're like basically the the." The way it was laid out, the dad was, if you don't pay this, you're not getting on the fucking plane. Are you serious, woman? Like, really? Who, who are you? You're a person that stands here and scans a fucking QR code on a phone or a ticket to let people on a plane, and you're sitting there over a bag. So mum and dad were left in the, in the predicament where they had to pay the charge to get on the fucking plane. Now, I've obviously then made a complaint. I spoke to EasyJet yesterday, and obviously I give hell to them. What they've done as well is now, which I'm going to let a lot of people out there know, is see those little fucking things they have in the airport that you put your bag inside to see the size of your bag? They've recently changed them to make them smaller. Yeah, they've made them smaller. And doing a bit of research over the last 24 hours or so, they've done this as a crafty way to make more money out of you because of the millions and millions they lost during fucking COVID. Now, for you people out there who travel back and forward, I know a lot of business people who who work in England and stuff like that who travel back and forward are going to get hit with these charges left, right and centre. I think it's a fucking disgrace. Those overhead bins on those airplanes are big enough for those little small bags like I would take or mum and dad. It's different if you're going abroad for two or three weeks with your family and you've got big suitcases and they need to go into the certain area of the plane where they need to be carried off and you get charged for it. It's part of your plane for... It's been like that for fucking decades and whatever else. But these small little tiny bags, this woman's coming along, picking people off. Not everyone. And I've seen it with my own two eyes. And for people who want to contact me here and say that I'm being a bit of an asshole here, I'm calling a spade a spade. I've saw it with my own two eyes. This woman is an absolute fucking nightmare. Now, I spoke to EasyJet yesterday, and the person I spoke to on the phone was absolutely fantastic. Lovely girl, apologised so much, couldn't apologise anymore. I may, I've i lodged an official complaint, I've demanded a refund from the baggage. I understand if a bag's a certain size, you have to pay the, the charge, that's fine. But the fact now that they're being fucking crafty about it, they've made the baggage hold the things smaller recently, and the fact that she's using COVID as an excuse, like, what the fuck, bitch, are you doing? Sorry, I'm sorry to say this, but that is the biggest bunch of bullshit I have ever heard in my entire life. And I am pissed about this. I'm going to Liverpool here on Monday. And if I go to gate fucking 10 and she's there and she tries to charge my rucksack, which is smaller than a standard on carry-on bag, that woman's going to be told, hey, I don't fucking think so. Stick your card machine up your ass. You ain't getting no 25 quid off me. You know what I mean? It's like, what are these airlines doing the fact that they're wanting to charge people and they're making these be baggage i call them a baggage tester where you stick your bag in to see if your bag fits the criteria to get on as they're looking they're making them smaller to try and charge you more money and the fact that they turn around and even when i spoke to mom yesterday she was like the girl told me you have to go on to the the app or the internet and pay an extra charge for us to get our bag home are you fucking serious like really it says on the website, when you book your fucking flight, how big is your bag? What weight is your bag? And I always put in the proper details every time. But what's the point in doing that when you got people like her coming up and sticking a card machine in your face and asking for more money? You know what I mean? Like, what the fuck? I mean, we again, as I said, we were at Bristol the other week. My friend Louise and Paula had the same problem. You know, and Louise was pissed at her. Like, really? I don't even think, I don't even think she was charged on the way home. I don't think she was. 
But this woman, I met him at a running with her two years ago, two Julys ago, and I said to her, I was at this gate a week ago with the same bag. Oh, no, you weren't. How the fuck do you know I was in that bag a week ago? You weren't even at this gate a week ago. So how the hell do you know I was here? Oh, uh, uh, well, guess what? I have the email confirming my flight from a week ago where I was not charged with the same bag. So where are you getting this charge from? And then yesterday she uses an excuse as it's because it's of COVID. What a load of fucking shit woman honestly sort yourself out but easyjet are putting it through we're going to try and get a, a refund i'm sorry about the, the rant guys but this woman is an absolute fucking nightmare so if you ever fly through belfast international airport you get the gate 10 you see a girl running my car machine prepare yourself because she's going to try and stick it in your face and ask for money you think of the money she's charging every single day that goes through that gate if she's, say, on a 10 or 8 or 9, 10 hour, 12 hour shift, and she stops every flight that goes through that gate, 25 quid a pop, you think of the amount of money she's making easy jet every day. Think about it. You know what I mean? It, it's, it, it, oh. I understand before trolls come in here and try and target me because of what I'm saying here, people, you will get the occasional wee fucking snowflake coming in going, but the thing is, Matthew, you have to book your bag incorrectly online. And what? I do it all the time. I book it properly every single time. And there's been times where I've even been on flights twice in one week. And I've never had an issue. Same bag, same things, nothing different. When I go to Liverpool trips, I take like, it looks like a, it looks it looks like a school bag, but it's, a, it's an Adidas bag. And inside I put in, like say I'm going to a Liverpool game on a Wednesday night. I'd fly out in the Wednesday morning. I would take obviously clean underwear, clean socks, a clean top for the next day, a Liverpool shirt for the game, clean pair of trousers, and a wee small bag of toiletries, which obviously consists of your underarm roll-on or spray, your aftershave, your toothpaste, your toothbrush, and if you need to have a shave, maybe a razor blade, but I always shave before I go. You know what I mean? Minimal things, small things, and I've never had an issue. But obviously this woman seems to think that there is. Because of COVID. What a load of shit. But in closing, that really pissed me off. And I wanted to talk about it. And I wanted to let a lot of people out there know. Because I know a lot of people out there who travel to Liverpool games and stuff like that. And people who go to Manchester United games and travel with EasyJet all the time. Prepare yourself because at the end of the day, this woman is on a fucking rampage. And honestly... I hope I run into her again. I'm not going to be nasty to her. I'm just going to put her fucking straight and say, excuse me, take your car machine and take it and away you fucking go because you ain't getting no money off me. But the fact that they've made the be things smaller now. But even if your bag still fits in it, she's still running nasty and going 25 quid, 25 pounds. Really? I can tell you where you stick your fucking card machine. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> I'm all been ranting for the last, what, 20 minutes to start the podcast, guys. I'm really, really sorry. Hence why I've called this uh, podcast Fuck You Easy Jet. Anyway. <clears throat> I don't know what. Update on the cold. It's starting to clear up more now. My chest is breaking up and I'm doing quite well. Um, I was in Belfast last night, guys. Um, I'm recording this podcast here on a Wednesday evening. Sort of stroke into the evening time to be released first thing tomorrow morning I was in Belfast last night new new manager uh, Harlemuth Welders as you all know a media guy up there uh, great crack nice guy Paul Key was announced as the manager last night guy who's been oh he's been in full time football for years he's uh, managed clubs like Institute and United he was assistant manager at Mansfield Town in England 
you know, he's been a Northern Ireland under 21, under 17s uh, manager and coach as well. He's worked for the IFA, he has his own academy. He's just this guy. He's, on his playing days, he played for Knott's Forest, he's played for Southampton, he's, you know, all these different big achievements he has right across the board. He's a pro licensed coach holder, um, which is just manager's license, which you see the likes of Northern Ireland managers and things like that there. He's just a phenomenal background and such a nice guy. Met him last night for the first time. In the, in, in the tunnel last night at Blanc's floor and he looked at me and, and our chairman introduced me to him and says, hi, this is Matthew, the media guy. He looked at me and he went, I know your face. <laughs> he recognised me from the days when I was a banger, doing banger TV years ago where I stand in front of the camera every week and do announcing and talk about the news and everything like that. And he recognised me right away. So got to meet him last night and he was a really cool guy. I was down last night getting stuff done for the for the website and for the uh, official story to be dropped. Um... He was in the middle of taking training, and I was walking in between the two, the two between the pitch where uh, certain points where you have one side of the pitch, the first team, and the other side is the under twenty ones training. And he, he shouts over to me, "I hope you're taking plenty of photos and videos." I've never had a manager in my whole time in the Irish League set me, so I was quite happy about that. So I finally got to sit down with him last night and had a wee interview with him for Welders TV, which you can go and watch now, guys. You want to go to the Welders website. Uh, weldersfc.co.uk or if you want to go to their social media platforms and you can watch that interview with me my interview him last night it was actually a very very good interview uh, talked about everything and he's a really cool guy so yeah Welders got the new manager Paul Key Lewis and I are on the road this Saturday to just outside Portadown for Anna United away um, in the first game so I'm looking forward to getting down there and seeing what he has to offer over the next coming weeks and months so exciting times ahead because he seems to be very switched on very professional and wants to uh see the club succeed so fair play to him he's got promotions under his belt as well he took a club institute from pretty much nothing and put them into the premier league so he's, he's he knows what he's doing he knows how to the game he knows how to work the game he knows how to play the game he is switched on and i think it's a good appointment so here's hoping it works out and the welders are back on the rise again anyway guys moving back to what the, the whole point of the podcast was this week i was going to sit and tell you some stories obviously about because you know, a lot of you have been asking me over the last couple of weeks and stuff like that about you know what is your background you know because some people i get a lot of wee fucking trolls come in all the time and say you're lying what do you say on your youtube channels all fucking lies and you are not from belfast you're not from here you're just doing that for views. You're fake. Well, I can tell you what you can do with your fake your fake comments and stuff like that. You can stick them up your ass for all I care. But anyway, yes. <laughs> Pretty much, guys. Um, you know, after what happened over the last couple of days with mum and stuff like that, there, I've been, I've been obviously had a little bit of a plan. I had things wrote out what I was going to say to you and talk to you about and stuff. But then, obviously, that thing happened and it's really pissed me off. So, <laughs> but yes. Um, Pretty much, guys. I, as you all probably know, if you've watched me for the last six and a half years or so, I'm a pretty, pretty normal guy. I don't really sort of. I mean, I'm just your bog standard guy from from Northern Ireland who grew up in Belfast. I was born in the Royal Hospital. Um, born on eighth of July, nineteen eighty one. I grew up at the start of um my life. I grew up just across in East Belfast. Madison Avenue, which is now, my old house is gone. Um, I moved from there, then we moved across into the Shankill Road, which mum and dad used to live in a small flat, 
which mum still have some pictures somewhere around of, of obviously those days where she keeps telling me all these stories about we used to have a dog who used to be very very it was Shane she called it very very protective of me when I was in my pram as a baby um, and then we moved from there across into where you saw on my YouTube channel uh, a few years ago where my old house used to be in the Shangle Estate um, I lived there up until about 1992 August 92 we moved away from there now here's the thing guys, I've done a wee, a wee video up there recently, or a couple of years ago, where I was standing there where my old house used to be, and I've been up there a couple of times since that, you know, I was up there, when was I up there last? It was the day I went to the uh, Crumlin Road Jail with Sandra, um, we were walking through there, uh, well past my old house and stuff like that there, last I heard they are going to be starting to build new houses on it, so I really want to get up there before, again, before they start building new houses on it. What I actually have in my possession, guys, here's the thing. I like to collect things that are memorable to me in my life and obviously like to keep things that you know mean a lot to me and, and sort of bring back good memories and obviously things that mean a lot to me. So what I done was that day I was up at the uh, making that video with Brooke and Lewis a couple of years ago. You want to go back and watch it on the we're on my YouTube channel. You can see it where, I can't remember what you call the video. Uh, Matthew returned to where he grew up in Belfast, I think it was called. Where, where our house used to be built. There was like this big old style brick wall around the, the front of the house and obviously the same brick as the, the house itself and the, the the big wall at the back of the house too as well. But whenever I was up that day, there were still some remaining parts of the brick wall sort of engaged into the ground. So what I done was I actually took a few of those little parts, particles of those bricks away with me as a little keepsake. You probably think I'm some type of weirdo, but it was just like a wee memento, wee reminder, because I do have a lot of fond memories of living in Belfast as a kid, growing up, you know, because grew up during the time where it was, it was it was still during the Troubles, you know, obviously the, the, the peace agreement was agreed in 1998, but even growing up there in the 80s, and obviously in the 90s, early 90s, you saw a lot of things going on up there, you know, the likes of you know, people being shot and car bombs and things like that there. I mean, I've got a story to tell you about that, about a bomb, even funny enough. Um, it was just a bit strange, the fact that, like, you know, I, I, I managed to get that little piece of brick as a memorial, and I brought it home with me, and I've kept it, you know, because it's like a piece of history in my life. You know, because I grew up in, well, you could practically say I grew up in that house until I was, like, nearly a teenager. But going up and growing up in Belfast, it was a difficult time back then, you know, where you had a lot of troubles and stuff like that. My, my memories up there are obviously the likes of the summer and stuff like that. I mean, some of the summers we used to have up there in Belfast back in the day were just unreal. Always remember those nice hot summer days where you were out playing football with your friends. And I always remember, because there used to be an, a, a DOE office nearby or a DOE yard nearby where we used to live. And if anybody doesn't know what DOE means, it's the, uh, the water board. And every summer, no matter what it was, boys used to always seem to break into there and get keys. They're called keys, where you open up a drain, these certain type of drains to have, you open up and turn the key, <laughs> you put the big key in and turn it, and all the water comes out like a big water fountain. I always remember every single summer, somehow, some way, I don't know who it was that used to do it, used to get the keys out of the DOE office or the yard and turn them on. And every summer when it was roasting, you used to see every so often the big water fountains appear. And everybody in this state was pissed off because obviously their water went off because some little shit down the road went out and stole a fucking key and turned on the water fountains. And that's always my fond memories of the summer. You know, playing football with your friends, 
and the water fountains and just hanging out and not a care in the world even though all the trouble and bullshit was going on around you at the time you know i'm sure you've all probably there heard about the troubles in northern ireland people who don't know anything about the troubles in northern ireland you can certainly research it there's some great documentaries on the likes of youtube and different uh things out there you can watch now some of them are a little bullshit but there is ones out there that are good and good in-depth details because some do sort of over-exaggerate and bullshit it and make it out be worse than what it is worse, but sort of make out some stories that is the biggest pile of crap. But there is some out there that are really, really good. And growing up in, in that sort of area, you know, it was a working class estate. You know, people worked hard. They were house proud of their homes and everybody knew everybody everybody was friends with everybody you know obviously you had your your people who didn't like each other but it was just one of those communities where i mean i was talking to a guy last night and i was telling him because he asked me where i was originally from and i told him i was going to be talking about this in the podcast tonight and he says people up there were like salt to the earth type of people down to earth you know they would give the coat off their back to you you know so many great memories up there you know the shankle road itself the actual road where all the shops were there I mean, a lot of them are still there to this day. I mean, I've still took my kids into a couple of wee shops recently. Like, Lewis loves one at the top of the Shankill Road. I call, it's called Glovers, but I used to call it the 50p shop, where you used to go in and get all your wee stuff for your room and all your wee different bits and bobs. And Lewis loves going up there because he takes his money in there and he finds wee things for, like, wee novelty things for, like, his bedroom. And, you know, I've got so many great memories of growing up in there. I obviously have a lot of bad memories, you know, from seeing, obviously, the troubles, you know, people's car getting blown up and people being killed and you know it, it it's just and obviously i was bullied quite a lot as a kid too but i still have a lot of great memories i'm gonna go up there every so often now obviously it's not it's all changed now they're rebuilding the estate they're rebuilding the road and when you go into the estate now you sort of look around and you sort of get those wee flashback memories whenever you were a kid all these wee different wee things you used to do you know and i know i've obviously a lot of people who are from the other side of the community Catholic listeners to the, the podcast as well and you know I have a friend who used to live on the other side across the road in the new lodge and he told me what it was like growing up on that side of the, of the community so it was kind of like we compared stories and like what was it like on the Catholic side compared to the Protestant side and you know it was just great I mean, we used to compare stories all the time but my my fond memories of growing up there was obviously good memories you know Christmas times were, 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 were amazing you know, always remember one of my favourite Christmases up there, getting a football table. And mom and dad, I think mum and dad still have the picture, actually, of me and dad standing at the front of our old house at Christmas time with my football table I got for Christmas that year. And I was so fucking proud of it. And photographs that I've, I think I've even shared on my Instagram, getting my Liverpool kit at Christmas, my 1990 Liverpool kit, my goalkeeping kit, or I used to call it my Bruce Grobelar goalkeeping kit. You know, and Tony was born when, he, when, when we lived in that house as well. And... You know, I've a lot of great fond memories up there of growing up in the Shankle as a kid, and but I've a lot of bad memories too, if you know what I mean. You know, from the likes of people, all the troubles going on around you. But when you were a kid at the time, you didn't really care. You all you wanted to do was just live your life. And my old primary school as well. You know, my old primary school. Shout out to Malvern Primary School. I had so many great memories in that school. A lot of bad memories, obviously, but I made a lot of of friends. Some that you know I still see to this day. You know, and, and and funny enough, when I was on holiday there, I think I put it up on my Instagram and my, my personal Facebook as well. A friend of mine from back then, Paul, sent me a photograph that was taken in 1990. And it was a school class photograph. And, you know, I look at that photograph and, I, you know, I was quite emotional about it, guys. You know, and 
I seen that photograph and I was sitting beside my friend Amanda who was very very close to at school and I even sent it to her on Facebook and she was like gee I don't remember that being taken you know and she doesn't remember, I remember being taken but I don't think at the time mum and dad could afford to pay the money for the school photograph but Paul's mum did and Paul forwarded it to me and I really wanted to get a copy of it because it's just an amazing picture 1990 and it was just like I have a lot of great memories from school. I, do you know something? I always tell people this all the time and they laugh at me and go, you full of shit. And I'm like, no, I'm being serious. I always remember my first day in P1 and I always remember my last day in P6, primary six before I left. Didn't do primary seven. They're done primary seven in Bangor. But I always remember my first day and I always remember my last day because I was being introduced to my new teacher for P7. And it never happened because I ended up moving away and going to Bangor because we moved away because obviously mum and dad didn't want to live in the area anymore because of all the trouble that was going on around the area and they just wanted to try and get us into a better area and try and get us away from all the troubles and stuff like that there but I mean growing up I mean it was it was tough at times and I do remember a lot of stuff that went on but I have a lot of great memories from being up there you know the days playing football for god we used to have so much fun up there you know and it was hilarious because I was telling a funny story to one of my friends there recently about the time, you know, I touched on it briefly last week in the podcast about, you know, people who boo-hoo and cry and snowflakes and all that bullshit. And, you know, back in my day where if you stepped out of line, you got your ass whipped and you were grounded and you weren't allowed to step out the door. And one of my funniest memories, and I always joke with my dad to this day, it taught me a lesson though. It taught me a lesson to be, be being respectful. But I remember it was one day I was playing football and I was doing goalkeeper. I remember it very, very well. And this day will always be in my head till even when my dad passes on or whatever, and he's not around anymore, I'll always remember this with my dad. And I always joke and laugh with him. I'm doing goalkeeper one day, and I was about 11 years of age. And I was the type of child that I didn't want to get myself in trouble because I was always scared to. Because when you grew up in that area, guys, there was a lot of different things that were going on. And if you got involved in the wrong thing, you ended up in a lot of shit or you ended up dead and that's just being totally honest with you so you know I I didn't want to get involved in anything bad because it was, I was pretty much shit scared to do it I'll be honest with you I'm not going to bullshit you I'm going to tell you the truth I was scared to and I literally would never hardly swear because I knew if I was caught swearing my dad would fucking kick my ass and I'd be grounded for months you know, but I used, to, I used to see a lot of kids run around. I still see a lot of kids run around today with their mouth on them like a fucking bucket. And they're just, F this, F that. Rah, 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 rah. And a lot of me kids, and they're like, yeah, what's your parents doing? Do they not discipline you and teach you right from wrong? But that's another story for another day. But this one day I did swear. And of all the fucking coincidental, I got caught doing it. And how I got caught doing it was where I was, doing foot, where I was playing football was just across from where I, where I live. And I must actually do a, a, a video next time I'm up there and show you guys who, who follow my YouTube channel. It's so fucking funny. I was standing there doing goalkeeper. It was a warm, hot, sunny day. Dad was off work that day. Dad worked for the city council for about 25, 26 years. Worked his ass off since he left school and fair play to him. You know, respect to him for that. Because like, back in those days, working for the council compared to nowadays, this is where you were lifting like the old tin bins, the old fashioned old tin bins instead of the ones now we have these plastic wheelie bins where we, we men just basically push it towards a machine that lifts it for you and all. These were the days where these guys were lifting these heavy bins on their shoulder 
You know, I mean, these guys were coming home with bruises and everything else back in those days. And you were working like shitloads of hours to put food on the table. So fair play to Dad for doing that. And I have a lot of good memories of that there as well, where he took me into work and stuff like that as a, good kid, as a kid too, over when he was working in a yard in East Belfast. But again, another story for another day. But this one summer's day, I was down playing football. And where my house was, if you looked to your, where I was down doing goalkeeper, if you had a look to your right across the field, you'd have saw my house from a distance. But mum and dad were coming around as we walked lane, side lane. And I never saw them coming because we're also to my right would have been was like an old fashioned block of flats you know Lego houses they were kind of called you know and <laughs> they were coming along and I never seen them coming from my side and I was too busy paying attention to my left hand side because I was playing football and I'll never forget it I just shouts across I shouts over to one of the boys give me the fucking ball and within the space of 30 seconds to one minute all I remember is feeling a hand on the back of my head, a big warm sensation in the back of my head, and the ground coming towards me, where Dad literally smacked me right across the back of the head, and I went straight down on the ground like a sack of shit, and I hit the ground, and the next minute, within about a couple of seconds, it took me a wee second to realise what happened, and then I just felt this big hand collaring me by the back of the shirt, and Dad saying to me, what did you fucking say? Get your ass back into that house now. Don't you ever dare swear like that again. I don't even really I remember vaguely what he said, but it was along the lines of that. But again, he was like obviously cursing me and telling me to get into the house, and I was grounded for two months. Yep. And I wasn't allowed to watch TV. Well, I was allowed to watch my wrestling, which was on a Friday night uh, on Sky One. And that was the only thing I was allowed to do. Wasn't allowed to go out. Uh, back then, I don't even think it was computer games we were playing. Maybe we had the Atari or something, maybe back then. Wasn't allowed to play it. Wasn't allowed to see friends. Wasn't allowed to do fuck all. I was grounded. And that's whenever you were grounded, grounded back in those days. None of this were we shit bags go out and cause trouble. And I see it all the time. And mums and dads go, right, you're grounded, give me your phone. No Xbox or PlayStation for a few days. And then they're grounded for like one day. And they're right back out again. Like, what is the fucking point? That's not teaching the child a lesson. Ground the child, punish the child, teach the child right from wrong. I'm not saying kick their ass or anything out there. No, no, no. Take things that, that, that mean a lot the way to them, like their mobile phone, like their Xbox, like their Playstations. Take everything off them. Don't let them out with their friends. After school clubs, take everything away. Punish them to the fact that if they're being really bad to the extreme, whether they're causing trouble and causing shit and bringing police to your door or whatever, then put your foot down. A lot of parents don't do that nowadays. I think some parents are actually afraid of their kids. That's just me being honest with you. Because I see it with my own two fucking eyes. You know what I mean? It's like with my two. I always say to them, you know, like for example, if Lewis gets himself in trouble at school, or say for example, Lewis got himself suspended or whatever from school, Lewis wouldn't have his PlayStation for a few weeks. He wouldn't have his mobile phone. He wouldn't be out with his friends. I'd have him at home doing chores around the house. Like for example, helping out with the washing, helping out with the cleaning. I'd make him clean his room twice a week. I would make him do the dishes after dinner, you know, teach teach the child, you know, that you can't be getting on like that. You can't be a nasty wee shit. You cannot go out and do these things. Obviously, different generation back when I grew up, and then obviously before that as well, back in the day where children used to get hit with belts and pokers and slippers and everything else there, you know. And nowadays, I think a lot of, a lot of young ones now get away with fucking murder, and this is why the world hangs in such a big, bad mess. But that's just my opinion on it. I'm not saying I condone kicking your kid, your kid up the ass or smacking them or whatever. All I'm just saying to you is punish them, teach them right from wrong. 
don't let them go out there and think they can rule the roost. I have a saying, rule the roost. I've seen a lot of people there who think they can rule the roost and the mums and dads let them get away with it. And they wonder why they grow up the baby shits and go out and cause trouble because they think, oh, well, I can do it at home. I can go out and do what the fuck I want, which is complete bullshit. But anyway, go back to the story I was telling you about. Yes, dad took me home. I was crying. That was one of my fond memories of being up there. But overall, as a whole, guys, growing up in Belfast, it was, it was, it was a... I have a lot of great memories and when I see like certain things on telly or certain things I see or whatever and I look back at that and it just reminds me of that time. It was a great time growing up there and I thoroughly enjoyed it even though a lot of it was not great but I still have a lot of fond memories from up there and when I go back up there it just floods back the memories of a certain say time of year or a certain period of time up there or whatever it's just it's not the same obviously anymore as what it used to be but i do have a lot of memories up there that we'll never ever ever forget but moving from there we moved to banger in 1992 we're actually in banger for 30 years this past august i remember it like it was yesterday um i actually was up at the old house there done a vlog up there about a year or two ago just up there walking around outside and to be honest with you you know it really fucking pissed me off the fact that you know <laughs> mom, mom, when I moved out of the house the one of Brooklyn Lewis's mum Tony was living there with mum for a while and mum and dad and then mum and dad had moved and Tony took the house on the family home now this house here obviously had a lot of fucking unbelievable memories I, I lived there from 92 until I moved out in January 2004 so I lived there for about 12 years maybe uh, no, no, 11 years. I basically had my whole teenage years life there. I had everything else. All grew up in that house. And Tony had the house and then Tony gave up the house to go and do a, a move into an apartment, which was kind of disappointing because if Tony had stayed there for a, a, a little bit longer, I could have moved in with him because obviously my, my marriage had ended. And when my, my marriage ended, I went to live with Tony for a little bit until I got myself back on my feet again because I pretty much lost everything. And I would love to have moved back into that house again, the family home, you know. And Tony said he was struggling to try and keep it going and stuff like that. But if I had moved in with him, we could have done it together. And we could have lived together. And we could have built the house back up again. As much as I love the house in Belfast, the other house I loved even more because of what happened in that house. And, you know, I started secondary school in that house. I left school in that house, you know. All the different things that happened in that house growing up. You know what I mean? And then when I moved out, I got to bring my first child back to the house whenever Brooke was born. You know, all those different things that happened there. I got my first job when I lived in that house. You know, all these different memories and just all these different things that happened in that house. And it was a great, great memory. And funny enough, my cousin, my dad's brother's daughter, lives at the house directly behind it. So when I'm up there seeing her sometimes, I would still see the, the old family home and I actually saw it on Facebook last year that they were trying to do a, the house was like looking for a swap deal with one of the local housing associations to try and get a swap for things like that. And I was thinking, God, I'd love to take that house back. But I love my home where I'm in now, of course. As you all probably see, you know, where my house is now, I obviously have a home now with Brook and Lewis. But growing up in Bangor, it was completely different. It was a new world for me. I was coming from Belfast where I was used to a different, different type of, or a certain type of life. Coming into Bangor, you always to hear all these different stories about Bangor. Oh, Bangor's full of snobs and Bangor's full of this and you'll not fit in. And I remember my first day in primary school and, and, and primary seven, 
at Kilcooley Primary School. I remember walking in like it was yesterday. And that year, that one year just flew by so quick. And then I went from there to secondary school. And that was just, wow, they were amazing days. And funny enough, as we speak about this on the podcast now, I have put out a video uh, on the YouTube channel of me. I actually wanted to get footage of my old school, which is now gone, where we show you a tour of the old school that I went to here in Bangor, the old high school, Grandstead High School. God, they were the days. Now, the thing about those guys was, guys, I was bullied quite a bit in that school. But towards the end, I started sort of maturing more and I started standing up for myself more where I'm not I'm not I'm not ashamed of it but I'm not also not proud I'm I'm not proud of it but I'm not ashamed of you know what I mean because what I got to the point where I was bullied to the point where you know I'm a blazer set on fire I was beaten with fucking fire extinguishers little sons of bitches fucking you know poured shit all over me they kicked me downstairs they beat me up. They put cigarette ends out in my hand. They put cigarette ends on in my blazer. You know, they, they fucking threw big giant hard edge of books and cracked me in the back of the head with it. You know, they used to beat me up for fun because I was overweight and I was, I was, you know, I was a soft kid. I never really spoke much. And bullying was a fucking nightmare in that school until my last, well, I think it was the fourth year I was there heading into the fifth year and I literally was standing in a French class one day and a bully tried to hit me one more time and for some reason inside of me I just lost a fucking plot and I knocked that motherfucker I knocked him out and I'm not proud of it but I'm also not ashamed of it because I stood up to him because that little that guy tortured me from primary seven when until we went into secondary school where he tortured me and he fucking harassed I mean coming home in the bus one day on the old school buses where we're coming in a roundabout about 30 mile an hour and that motherfucker opened the back door, the old fire exit door and him and his two wee cronies hung me out the back of that fucking door. And I'll, I'll, I always get nightmares about that still to this day where I remember hanging out that bus window and that bus flying around that roundabout on a busy afternoon and I was shit scared. Like I nearly shit my pants. And that day that, that boy tried to hit me one more time in a French class and I stood up and I knocked that son of a bitch out. I punched him as hard as I could and he fell to the ground and he never came near me again. And honestly, since that day, I never, ever, I always, ever since I left school, because what happened to me guys was when I got the, the fifth year into the last year of school, I got halfway through the year where the bullying got to the point where literally I couldn't take it anymore and two wee fuckers had set me up uh, with one of the art teachers and the head of art uh, they've done something really, really bad, which I don't want to get into because I don't want to fucking talk about them very much, to be honest. But those little fuckers set me up to the point where I got the blame for it and I almost got expelled, where a whole big altercation happened. Where mum and dad came to the school. There was a whole big fucking fight. There was everything going on in the school. Mum and dad had taken me out of the school because they couldn't hack it anymore. I always remember dad standing telling the principal, you know, my son's been coming home with bruises, cigarette ends put on his hands, Blazer setting fire, beating up with fire extinguishers, you name it, it's happened to him and he's done fuck all. He finally stands up to a bully with then the wee bullies go and fucking set him up to get him expelled. And he finally stands up to a bully and you let him go? You're, you're, you're literally going to expel him? Don't think so. Bye bye, took me out. So I never actually, how I finished my last year of high school was a school tutor in Bangor. So I, did, I ended up finishing with a school tutor in Bangor where I had to go there, but I was pretty, pretty much so, it's so ironic though, because I was brought back to my old primary school in Bangor for a meeting with the Education Authority, Now I was 16 at the time, 
So I was I was one of the older ones in that year, and I was saying, well, you're legal age to work now. So would you rather go back to school or get a job? And obviously me sitting as a 16-year-old, I'm thinking, I'd rather get a job. I'd rather work, because I've always had a work ethic. I was like, yeah, I'll work. So uh, I got a job in a furniture store, but also finished my education at the school tutor two days a week. So I still finished my GCSEs, and I also got my exams. But I was also working my very first ever job at 16, working for a company called Bell One Ideas and Furniture. I worked in the warehouse, lifting sofas all day, lifting beds all day. Occasionally I went out in the van for deliveries. But at 16 years of age, guys, you know, your life's, it's the same age as my daughter is now. You know, your life's ahead of you. You're thinking, God, this is great. I'm actually out working now. This is fucking great. You know, I'm still doing my education. I'm getting my GCSEs. I'm, I'm 16. I'm earning wage. And this is great. I was only earning 60 quid a week. But 60 quid a week back in 1998 or 1997, sorry, was a lot of fucking money to a 16-year-old boy. Now, I had to pay housekeep money out of that. And people keep asking me this day, why the fuck do you have to pay housekeeping for? It was teaching me at the time I was thinking, mom and dad are being bitches. They're taking 15 quid a week of my fucking money when they shouldn't be. But it was teaching me the value of money. It was teaching me about responsibilities. It was teaching me how to use money, how to spend money. You know, all these different things. It was teaching me why I was doing it. At the time, I wasn't thinking. I was thinking, fucking hell, I'm in this job nine to five every week. And I'm only getting 45 quid. Before at 45 quid, you know me, at 45 quid got me a lot of stuff, guys. Compared to getting fuck all back then. The kids nowadays look at 45 quid and go, is that it? Is that all I'm fucking getting? You know what I mean? But it taught me the value of money. It taught me about responsibilities. It taught me how to save money, how to spend money. You know what I mean? Even to this day now, mum always says to me, you've always got fucking money. How the hell do you always have money? Because I only spend when I need to. And that's a true story. And that actually taught me I only need to spend money. And it's so funny because it wears off into Lewis now. I always say about Lewis, Lewis is the type of kid that would walk into a pound shop with a five pound note and come out with about 20 pounds worth of stuff. (laughs) He's like me. He loves a bargain. He loves how to budget his spending. Only spend when you need to. Only spend when you have to. And that taught me back from whenever I was 16. Whenever I left school. So there you go. But yes, my first job, and then I went from there. At 16, I left there. I've worked on a couple of different places. I worked for KFC. and I was actually an assistant manager at 17 in KFC. I know, it was unreal. Um, I've worked at a hotel and a kitchen. Uh, like Brooke, she works in a restaurant now as well. So it's kind of like, it's, it's funny because this, the little things that I used to do, my kids are doing now. It's kind of strange, you know. But one of the one of the funniest jobs I've ever had. Well, not one of the funniest jobs. One of the best jobs I ever had, and I actually regret to this day leaving it. I was talking about the place actually on the podcast last week. It was Curry's Electrical Store. I I I've always have a passion, guys, for gadgets and a passion for you know TVs and technology and phones and things like that. And when I got my job in Curry's back in 2006, I thought I was on cloud fucking nine. I was like, oh, this is great. I get to work with TVs and washing machines and cookers. Because and, anytime when I, when I was growing up, anytime any of my family or friends ever had a problem with their TV or their video player back then or DVD player or computer games or a cooker or a plug that we wired, they always used to call me. Because I was always the one that used to go and fix it. Like, for example, grandmother would call me can your son come and fix my TV for me? Or mum and dad, mum and dad still to this day fucking ring me and go, 
oh, my fire stick's not working or my phone's not updated or something in my house is not working. Can you help me fix it? And when I got that job in 06, I was on cloud fucking nine. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. And I left for the wrong reasons. I left because of some wee arrogant twat who came in from another store in England who thought he was Billy Big Balls and I ended up nearly kicking his ass because of it. Because the story was, whenever we used to get customers used to come in, we used to sell them, like, say, for example, a TV or, say, a fridge. Give me an example, prime example. The most, what was sold the most was fridge freezers, washing machines. Say you're a customer coming in saying, oh, yes, Matthew, I'd like to buy a washing machine. Well, while you're buying your washing machine today, we offer a service where we can come out and plumb it in for you and take your old one away or we'll just come out and plumb it in for you. It's an extra 10 quid, whatever it is out there. And the customer would normally say yes or no or whatever. Or, for example, a TV, say something comes in and buys a big... Like I was talking about last week in the podcast, people come in, want to buy a big TV, and all the all the bobs, you know, we offer service, we can come home and we can wire it in for you, we can connect it all up for you, set it all up for you, whatever. Not a problem. I remember how I had... I think it was, it was a fam, family, I think it was, at the time, a couple of family members from the ex-wife's side come in one day to buy a, a PC off me. I was like, yeah, no problem, come on ahead. And I says, well, listen, do you just want the installation service? Could you not do it for us? And I thought, well, it's family. Okay, I offered them the service. I still done my job. I don't have anything by the book, but they wanted me to do it on my day off. So I did. I said, right, okay. Was I right? Was I wrong? I don't know. But this motherfucker, this guy who thought he was Jack the Lad, he heard I sold him the PC, and he said, did he offer them insurance? Yes, they took it. Did he offer them the installation service? No, they didn't do it. But it was his family, so he's going to do it himself. What that little fucking piece of shit done was, he went into the system, got the per- customer's personal details, why I was in the person's house installing the PC. He rang their home landline number to speak to me, to, to talk to me. And I answered, the, obviously the person answered the phone and says, it's for you. And I took the phone and I went, hello. Hi, it's... Do I even want to say his fucking name? Why are you in that person's house? Because they're fucking family. Why didn't you sell them in? Because they wanted me to do it. Because I'm their family. Drop what you're doing. This is, the word. this is what he said to me. This is what this little motherfucker said to me. He goes, drop what you're doing right now. And get out of there now. And get yourself back to the store. And I went, I'm on my day off. And he goes, I don't care. I mean, is that f- I mean fuck you. And I put the phone down. The way he spoke to me like I was a piece of shit. And I'm like, fuck you. So I refused to go back in for a week. My boss kept calling me all the time, so I finally went in. This guy was literally pushing my buttons for weeks. He was talking to me like a piece of shit, talking to me like I was fucking stupid. Didn't ha- it was just a complete, and he was a womanizer too. The way he spoke to the young girls, especially a lot of the younger ones in there, younger girls, he was a bit of a fucking, I call him a bit of a pervert, to be honest. I always knew there was something dodgy about him. So I left work for a week, and then I finally went in and spoke to the big boss, and he says, well, are you coming back? And I went, unless he, it's either me or him, I'm leaving. And he goes, well, he's one of our managers. I mean, we'll, I'll hand him a resignation. And he goes, okay, are you sure? And I'm like, yep. And I remember, guys, this is going to make you laugh. This is what I wrote on my resignation. Uh, what was it I wrote? I'm trying to remember how it started, actually. I hear myself, uh, what was it that said at the start? On this date of, and then the date, and then my name says, I hereby resign from my post as, and then my role in the job, due to the fact of, and then his name, is a total fucking scumbag, arsehole, wanker, dickhead, and is useless at his job, and I can't. I refuse to work with this guy, as he is a bully, 
a pervert, a womanizer, and I cannot deal with this guy. And then I say my name in the bottom. And I called the spade a spade. And he says, well, why would you want to leave? I mean, because of the way he speaks to me. I already said, I, already, I actually asked the guy myself, if you're going to ask me to do something, talk to me. I don't mind, your, ball, your boss busts your balls for not doing your job right, that's fine. Speak to your employees. But the way he spoke to people, he spoke to them like they were just pieces of shit on the bottom of his shoe. And I couldn't take it no more. So I basically told the boss I was either leaving or I was going to put him through one of the TV screens. And after I left, a few other members of staff left shortly after because of the same fucking reason. And then I found out one year later, he was sacked from the position for doing dodgy deals under the till to his mates. Money was going missing. And also he was just being a complete dick and he got sacked. So I was right. And a couple of years ago, I was back in Curry's Arts before COVID, and a few other staff members are still working there, and they were like, would you ever come back? And I went, nope, because the position I'm in now, I don't want to come back. And I love that job, guys. I'll be honest with you, I really did love that job. Now, obviously, I've worked on our jobs since then, and I did mention that on the Unleashed podcast last week, <coughs> where I worked for a company called Homebase. Fuck you, Homebase. One of the hardest companies I've ever worked for. I've also worked for the passport office for a short contract term, which was interesting. Especially people don't know how to look after their passports. <laughs> but I've had a load of jobs, guys, over the years. And now, obviously, where I work now, I'm obviously happy where I am now and what I'm doing now. And Excuse me. <coughs> I'm going to have to pause this a wee second to get a glass of water. It's just this, and this bloody cold. But yes. But my time growing up in Bangor obviously away from school and work and stuff like that. I have a lot of great memories, a lot of great friends. I still have friends with this today. But in Bangor is where I met my best friend, where, unfortunately, as I said to you, and I don't want to try and get too emotional when I'm talking about this, who's no longer with us. You know, he passed away a few years ago, um, early age, and... When I found that they passed away, it literally broke my heart. Guys, I'm going to pause the podcast for just a second to get a glass of water because I don't want to end up having to cough my guts up all over the microphone here. That's better. I should, you know, before I sat down at this table, I should actually put a glass of water down because I forgot to. <clears throat> just at the, you know, at the end of the cold where the old flames coming out of your chest and it's all breaking up and it's coming towards the end. That's what I hate about that. But anyway, yes. I was talking with my friend. He unfortunately passed away a few years ago. Um... How I found out was obviously heartbreaking, and you just probably saw my social media. It's I put a photograph up of me and him because we used to have a lot of great memories. Me and him back in the day. His name was Ricky or Richard. Ricky, I used to call him. God, we, we met each other back in the nineties, and some of the times we had, you know, I look back at it, my just laugh and some of the stupidest shit we used to get up to, you know, not babbling or causing trouble or nothing like that, but just. Some of the stupidest shit we used to laugh over. We got our first mobile phone together. I always remember that. You know, we used to chase, we used to chase girls at the weekends. You know, and if you got off, uh, what we used to call when you kiss a girl, you ever get off with a girl? You thought it was brilliant. You know, did you get did you get off with her? Oh yeah, 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 it was great and all. You know, it all, uh, obviously it was a different world back then. Nowadays compared to that, back then compared to nowadays. But I mean, we were just so simple, the two of us. He worked in a fa- uh, kitchen place over in uh, industri- the industrial state nearby. And 
one of my jobs I used to have was working for, I'm sure you probably heard of a company called Morphe Richards, who used to make kettles and toasters and stuff like that. I worked for them for a wee while when I was younger on a temporary contract to try and pass the time in until obviously I got a, a more permanent role. And that was great because his kitchen place was just across the car park from what, so we used to meet up for lunch and stuff. But I always remember him, you know, when he worked in the kitchen place and then, you know, we used to have so many laughs together. And then the photograph, you probably saw on my Instagram where you see me sitting with him as a kid and then obviously sitting on the steps again. That was, we used to call that the, the steps. So we used to call it just the steps. We used to sit and hang out and, you know, just have a wee sneaky cigarette, you know, and just sit there and talk and laugh at stupid shit and just in general just have a laugh and, you know, we grew up and then I got married in 2005. He was supposed to be the best man at my wedding, but he was going with this girl at the time who was a complete fucking bitch, a complete control freak, and she avoided him from coming to the wedding, but it's obviously broke my fucking heart because I wanted him to be my best man at my wedding. Um, And then we finally got back in touch again after we got married for a little bit, and then we lost a bit of touch again. And the last time I saw him was outside a Tesco store. And it was literally two weeks before he died. And we lost, after a lot, a lot, after the last time I saw him, I obviously started going through my bad time where my, you know, I was going through a divorce at the time and things like that. And, you know, we still see each other and again but the last time I ever saw him and then I never saw him for a little while after that and then one day I was out walking around the coastal area and I saw his sister and I met his sister and I was talking away to her and stuff and that's where I found out that he had passed away he took sick and he passed away within a couple of days and when I found out that he passed away I literally sat at that outside sort of restaurant thing um, in front of God knows how many people and I just sat and blubbered my eyes out and I still I only have two pictures of me and him it was one of the ones you've seen in that photograph of me sitting there with him at the steps and then there's normal one that was taken that night with me, him and my other friend Kellyanne we were all messing about that night she was on crutches at the time because she'd hurt her ankle and we're all doing funny poses at the, the steps in that photograph and that's the only picture I have of me and him and I've asked his sisters, could you get me more photographs? There is a photograph of him up at his memorial tree at the, at the graveyard where his asses were scattered, which I've been up to a couple of times. And it's so ironic, though, because where his tree is is, like, literally directly facing where my, my, my grandmother was buried there last year. And as we say that today, today's the one-year anniversary of my, my... As this podcast is being recorded, the one-year anniversary of my grandmother passing away. So, but when I found out he passed away, that was a real hard pill to swallow. And it still is to this day, and I'll be honest with you, it's just so weird the fact that, like, the time that we, since the last time I ever saw him, I kept saying, right, I have to get in touch with him. Right, I have to get in touch with him. And I never did. And he passed away, and I didn't even know. And I think that what annoys me the most is the fact that it wasn't even at his funeral. And I've told that to his sister. And... It really bugs me, the fact that I never got to say goodbye to him properly. And when I first saw his memorial tree at the graveyard, I took Lewis with me. And I'm not ashamed to say, guys, when I saw his face on that plaque, it was just like, oh, it was such a fucking nightmare. 
And when I got, I was actually up a few weeks weeks ago seeing it and tidying his wee tree and stuff up was up with mum and dad because dad was up seeing his mum and his mum and dad as well. And I called over to see him and you know it's just so strange. And when I sit and talk with Tony all the time about it, you know, it's it's just a heartbreaker, you know. And that's an argued memory I have growing up as a child. You know, one of those things just. The way you always have that one friend that obviously stands out for you the most when he was obviously one of them. So, but what can you do, guys? It's it's part of life, you know. We all go eventually, but that was one that I took it very, very hard. I'm glad I have water here now because my throat's killing me after coughing quite a lot. <laughs> but overall, guys, I mean, growing up in Bangor, it has had its ups and downs. <coughs> I've had, I got married in Bangor. In 2005, on a beautiful February day. Um, that, that following November, my little bundle of joy, Brick, came along. Who's no longer a wee bundle of joy. She's a grumpy teenager. Who's as big as me now. <laughs> Wouldn't change her for the world, though. Um, you know, I got married in Bangor. You know, I've had a lot of great memories in Bangor. I mean, Bangor's obviously not the same as what it used to be. Same as Belfast. But guys, I try to live a very simple life. You know, I do like to try and get out there. You know, I've worked in local radio. I've worked on t- online TV. I've, you know, I've, I've, I was a, I was a wrestler for five years as well. You know, I've done wrestling for five years. There's so much I could talk more about. But, you know, the stuff that I've done in Bangor, I may have set up my own wrestling company back in 2007 to 2011. 11. I wrestled for a couple of years. That was fun. Made a lot of friends out of that. A lot of enemies out of two of as well. That was good days traveling up and down. <laughs> them boys like they were nuts. Them boys, um, you know. And then obviously I've, I've had divorces and <sighs> relationships that obviously didn't work out. And uh, Bangor has been a, a roller coaster of a ride living in Bangor. Now I'll be totally honest with you. I was considering moving away from Bangor quite a few years ago before before the COVID nineteen thing came along. We were thinking about maybe moving away to the likes of Liverpool or something like that, myself and Brooklyn Lewis, but we decided not to go at the last minute. And I'm glad I, 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 I didn't go because shortly after I met Sandra, you know, and I was with Sandra for a long period of time, as you all know, which unfortunately came to an end. But, you know, Bangor has been an up and down roller coaster, and, you know, I could sit here all night telling you loads and loads and loads of stories. Over the next couple of weeks during podcasts and stuff like that, I will pop up with memories and stuff like that and tell you a couple of wee stories of what happened back in the day of this and what back in the day of that, whatever like. But obviously growing up, you know, I tried to live a very quiet, simple life. Obviously I wasn't a golden child. I wasn't an angel or whatever. In any way, shape or form, you know, obviously had my moments where we all have had our moments, haven't we? Like, but, you know, it's just one of those things. And there, I do have a lot of regrets, a lot of regrets. So I do, um, in certain things, but, you know, I always think now as you get older, you get more wiser, you think to yourself, everything happens for a reason, but in, in a way, I only believe that a certain way, you know, there's things that I look back on now I could have done differently, which would have obviously made my life better than what it is now, but you make these stupid mistakes for a reason, but again, that's just the way life goes, you know, and where I am in my life right now is where I'm at the point now where... My main focus is obviously getting broken loose through school and just trying to make their life as best as possible and try and give them the best I can. 
you know, because I put my life on hold for, for a long, long time after I had broken loose, you know, where I didn't get out as much. I mean, obviously, you see on my vlogs, you see me and Tony having a wee drink or we go away, to, I go to Liverpool or I go to out with Tony for a couple of beers or whatever. You know, for years and years and years and years and years, I never done anything like that. I spent, I dedicated my whole life to my marriage, my kids, my home, you know, and I lost a lot of friends over it and a lot of people, but then I considered them not real friends because real friends stick by you no matter what. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm in a position now where Brooklyn Lewis are a bit older now and I can start doing more different things now, which I never was able to do, especially after, you know, my divorce came through and I got custody of the kids and I've spent since 2000 and, oh my goodness, 13, 14, on my own with them, 13, nine years, on my own with them, you know what I mean, and it's just unfortunate that, you know, I, I put my life on hold for so long, but now they're older, I can do things now, I do have a lot of regrets, but I'm trying to make up for those regrets, you know what I mean, trying to do things that I've always wanted to do, do it now, because what I've learned from Ricky's death is that life's too fucking short and life, you know, your life can be taken in the blink of an eye. And I try to live every day I can, whether it be go to a concert or go to a football game or do things that make me happy. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, life's too fucking short and your life could be taken away in a heartbeat. And I'll go to my grave happy knowing the fact is that, you know, I've achieved something being Brogan Lewis, and obviously they're happy, and as long as they have a, I always try and give them a better life than what I had, especially growing up, because we didn't have very much growing up back then, mum and dad didn't have very much money, dad was working his ass off into the ground to try and pay the rent, and pay the food, pay for the bills, and put food on the table and stuff like that, and this is why I try and teach my mum and dad this, because you don't understand these things as a kid, but when you get older you do understand it, but yeah, I try to live every day as, as I can now, because if I don't, then I'll have a lot more regrets than what I already have. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff in my life I've done that I'm not proud of and a lot of things that I've said to people. But at the end of the day, we all learn by our mistakes and we all move on. And that's why I live my life now. You know, I look back at certain things like when I was bullied, for example. I don't let anybody bully me anymore because, you know, that taught me a lesson in life. Not to be walked over and stand for your ground and speak up and and things like that, you know. But overall, guys, it's been a, it's been a, it's been, a, been an interesting forty one years of a ride so far. A lot of things that I wish had happened a lot better. I wish I had done a lot more things, but I'm going to try and make up for it for till the day the big man in the sky calls my number and it's time to go. So it's been an interesting roller coaster of a ride, and I regret a lot of it, but some of most of it I don't. Because at the end of the day, when I wake up every day, I look at Brooke and Lewis and I'm happy. And that's the bottom. And honestly, it's that's all I live for now is Brooke and Lewis. Because after what happened in recent events, obviously with certain things that have happened, I just sort of try and focus on them now. Because if I didn't focus on them, I didn't have them, I don't know where the hell it would be. And that's being honest. But that's me in a nutshell. Basic guy, don't, don't like drama, don't like, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, this is, who, this is how I live my life now, I like a nice quiet life, I don't like drama, I don't like boo-hooers and crybabies, I don't like snowflakes, I don't like bullshitters, I don't like politicians, 
I don't, <laughs> I don't even get me started on politicians. I don't like people who just create that negative bullshit around them all the time. I don't like weirdos. I don't like psychopaths. I don't like crazy women. Um, I've met quite a lot of them over the years. Um, I don't like people who think the world fucking spins around them. That pisses me off. I just want to be left alone and live a nice quiet life. Okay, that's impossible whenever you're on YouTube. But at the end of the day, if people leave me alone, I leave you alone. And that's it. I'm pretty basic. There's nothing special about me. There's nothing fake and phony about me, unlike some of you wee fuckers out there say all the time, he's fake. He's fucking fake. Look at him, he's fake. I'm fake. Yeah, I'm fake. Yeah, of course I am. I hate that. I get it all the time. Instagram's the worst one. You get all these wee 22-year-olds or 21-year-olds coming in. You're fucking fake. You're not real. And I, I, I look at that sometimes, and I look at their profiles, and it's all Love Island, and I'm like, and things like that, and all them fake phony programs where you go, I'm fake. Look at the fake shit you're fucking watching. <laughs> you're watching people running around with 50 tons of fucking makeup on, fake eyelashes, fake boobs. Guys running around with fucking plastic surgery in their face and fucking covered in fake tan and looking like Barbie dolls. Like, really? Oh, and, and this is a normal, makes me laugh too. They always say my vlogs are fake, my vlogs are set up and all. And then you say to them, what's your favourite TV show? Oh, I watch whatever program. Do you know that's all fucking fake? Oh, it's not. It's a fucking TV show. You fucking moron. I'm normal me. This is me. I'm not fucking fake. Fucking clowns. Anyway. <laughs> I know I've been ranting on quite a bit, but I just thought I'd obviously try and give you a bit of an insight to who I am and what I am. I'm I'm me. And the people, don't, my attitude is as well now, guys, if you don't like me, don't be around me. Don't contact me. Don't speak to me. Just don't come near me. Just leave me the fuck alone. You know what I mean? And if you've got a problem with me, come and speak to me. And if, if we can't hash it out, then I'll tell you to fucking do one. Simple. Because I don't like negative people. I don't like fake people. I don't like morons. People who just, oh, it, it's this generation. I mean, I was talking to Brooke about this the other night. Some of these younger ones in this generation now just make my fucking teeth itch. You know? But anyway, that's a story for another day. But I anyway, mean, I'm going to stop talking now. I'm going to get on to your questions because a lot of you have been sending me questions over the last week or so since the podcast launched. And I was going through a couple the other day. And obviously now I want to go through a couple more because a lot of you have been asking me for different things. And there's actually a birthday request this week as well. I want to give a shout out to as well. It was one of the first ones I have written down here on a list. I've got it on my phone, my other phone opened up, my work phone. And I've got a list here in front of me as well. So... Happy birthday list coming up as well. I have a birthday message to give out as well this week. So I have a birthday message here for Sinead. Sinead from Cookstown. Cookstown. Every time I hear that name, Cookstown, I think of the fucking sausages. Cookstown. Sinead is celebrating her 45th birthday this week from her husband. And he wanted me to give her a birthday shout out. So there you go. Happy birthday. 45, you're like me, we're all getting old, but I'm only kidding, listen, I hope you have a cracking birthday, I hope your hobby spoils you rotten, I don't even know why you have kids or not, I um, hope they spoil you rotten too, I hope they do something really good with you, I hope you have a fantastic birthday, Um, let your hair down, whether you have short hair, long hair, whatever type of hair, just let it all down, have a great birthday, enjoy yourself, life's too short, and if the hobby's on you're listening right now, uh, yeah, let me know how your birthday went, I 
hope the meat is. Cookstown, send us up some sausages, would you? <laughs> Cookstown sausages. I love Cookstown sausages. God, they're good shit, I tell you. Okay, I've got one here. I have a really odd question here. This is just fucking weird. Really, really weird one here from a guy, Johnny from Belfast, wants to know what type of aftershave I wear. Okay. What type of aftershave do I wear? Well, at the moment, I would usually use diesel aftershave or cool water. Why do you want to know what type of aftershave I'm wearing? It's a bit of a fucking weird one. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, yeah, I, I love diesel aftershave. Um, and also cool water, I kind of like that too as well. Um, that's pretty much it really. So uh, for a long time, I've obviously changed my aftershaves over the years. Um, and people... <laughs> <laughs> fucking Tony always went about me after shave. You were an old spice, old man or brute. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> um yeah, diesel or, or, or uh, cool water for me, that's my uh, my go to um aftershave, so it is. So I know a lot of people use different ones. Lewis is using Hugo Boss at the minute, which I don't really like the smell of it. I don't think it's overly great to be quite honest. Don't really like the uh the smell of it. not my cup of tea to be honest. But this, there you are, diesel or cool water for me. Weird question, but thanks for your question. I uh, appreciate it. Colm here on Instagram wants to know, where it, sorry, what has been my favourite ever Liverpool game to be to? So, there you are, my favourite Liverpool game. Is this in recent times or is that in overall? <sighs> Honestly, I can't pick one out. I really can't. I've been to so many big games over the years. I really can't pick one fucking out stands the most out for me. So I'm sorry, but there's been quite a lot over the years that have stood out for me. And I really can't pick out. If it had been a recent game, say after COVID, probably the Leicester City game with Lewis for the atmosphere and obviously getting the late equaliser and and then obviously getting fucking COVID out of it. like, but <laughs> Which was a fucking nightmare. Catching COVID at a Liverpool game insane but there you go what a fucking nightmare right one here from ben wants to know what is my go-to drink alcohol wise of course ben wants to know okay ben my go-to alcohol is beer and also i don't mind a wee bit of whiskey now and again but lately my never man tony's been having a couple of nights out and a few beers together my go-to drink was beer and sambuca yes i love sambuca i could drink sambuca till it comes out my fucking ears and I'm going to be honest with you, I love Sambuca. Never used to like it years ago. I'll tell you a story actually about that. Years and years ago when I was doing my wrestling days, I was working for a company as well, working with winter fuel payments for the elderly over 65. I was doing a temporary contract for them years ago in between jobs. And I was on a night out with all the staff and also all my wrestlers who worked for me in the wrestling company were out at the same time. And we were all in the same bar at the same time. So you could just imagine what it was fucking like that night going in between two tables. And in this bar in Bangor at the time, it was called Monroe's at the time. It's now called The Goats Too. They used to do on a Friday night, one pound a drink all night long. A fiver in and a pound a drink. So a pound, pound for a pint, a pound for a shot. Whatever you want behind that bar, it's a pound. So, you just imagine how bad that was. But I remember one night, there's a photograph on one of my old uh, friend's Facebook pages. I think it's somewhere out there still. Where we all got money together and got 50 quid together and went up to the bar and ordered 50 shots of Sambuca. Now back in those days, Sambuca wasn't really my cup of tea. I always felt that it used to stick in the back of my throat. 
So this one night, there was myself, a guy called Matthew as well, funny enough, or we used to call him Smee. Um, he was there, a guy called Timmy, uh, another guy, who used to, his nickname was Crow, who was a wrestler too, Graham, he called him. And I, I think it was another, I think one of our referees, maybe there as well, and we had all these shots lined up right across the bar. And I remember like a couple of them only drank two or three of them, and I drank about seven or eight, maybe more, maybe more than that actually. And then obviously Matthew drank some, and then all the rest of the boys drank some. And I always remember, after that night, I will never drink Sambuca again. Because it used to stick in the back of my throat. I fucking hated it, never since it. But then, during lockdown, thanks to a mate of mine, Remy, who, he's probably not listening, but if he is, Remy, hello. <laughs> um, got me back into it again. And there's a Sambuca you can buy at a local supermarket, and it is so smooth. Tony fucking hates it. Tony detests it. it smells like aniseed. It smells like sweeties. I could fucking drink it all day, guys. It's it's so smooth. I could drink it like water. It, it doesn't even affect me. People thinking, are you crazy? Fucking Sam Booker blows my head off. That and beer. Now, my go-to beer, whether it be Carlsberg, Rockshore, or Bud. So that's just answering your question. Um, but Sam Booker and beer... If I'm on a night out with Tony and I order a couple of Sambucas, or I just call them Bucas, a couple of pints, and I'm sweet. Tony loves his cocktails, as you fucking know from the vlogs. He loves his cocktails. That fucking guy drinks cocktails like water. Oh, I made, made him a couple of weeks ago, a few Blue Lagoons here at the, in the house, and oh, fuck me, the blew Tony's head off. He loves his cocktails, so he does. But that's it. That's that's my go-to drink. Beer and Sambuca. So there you go. But I just thought I'd throw a wee story in there for you too as well. But uh, yeah, Sambuca, it used to bother me. See now, I can drink it like fucking water. It doesn't fizz on me at all. Okay, this one is from Stephen. Uh, this is from on the email, Podcast at yahoo.com. Stephen wants to know, do you have any unique scars or any stories where you've hurt yourself over the years? Ha, <laughs> what a fucking question. I do, actually, yeah. I'll tell you a wee quick story again. Stephen, um, coming home, I was 19, 18, 18, or was he 18? I was 18, coming 19, before I met Brooklyn Lewis's mum. Still living at home, coming back from the bar one night. And <laughs> where I used to live, around the corner, was like two churches facing each other. Church of Ireland and Presbyterian. And I used to come up the back field, across behind the back of the Church of Ireland church, to get across the wee field, past the bus stop, to get to my home. And I was coming along one night, and some fucking kid had lit... I was walking at the back of the church, and there was like a wee path there in the back of the church. And I just get a glass of water here when I'm talking to you. I was coming around the back of the, the church and some little fucking kid left the manhole lit off the top and I went down the fucking manhole when I was drunk and fell down and split done my deep cut across my right hand shin and <coughs> Stephen you can see the wee scar right across my, my shin and I was pissed I was 18 you know you were young and stupid you're coming back from the bar you're on cloud nine you're working all day you're legally is drinking all night so you go out have a pint or two with your mates didn't fit it till the next morning until I woke up and saw the fucking hole in the front of the machine that was like, whoa, what the fuck happened there? 
So I've got a scar across the front of my shin. So I do. Um, I've other ones, obviously, from falling over the years, on my knees and whatever else out there. I've one across the front of my forehead, which you can't really see very much unless you look up close at me, where during my wrestling days I got split open at the front of my head, um, where I got hit in the face with a stick and it busted me fucking open right across the front of my forehead. Um, I have a scar on my left hand. If you've been watching my vlogs from the very start, I had an operation on my hand where I had the left tendon or the tendon and nerve cut clean in my hand, in my left hand with an accident with a candle holder. Um, where I have no feeling in my right hand thumb now because of it, but you can still see the big scar. On my right hand, I have an already small scar at the front bottom of the palm of my hand where during a wrestling match I was uh, putting a guy through a fucking table and the, the wood splintered and split my hand open. Um, but I'm the type of guy who would just like sort of, what's that old saying, going glue it up and fucking move on um, but yeah I've had a couple of wee scars and one on the back of my head too as well so but yeah the funniest one was definitely falling down that fucking manhole so I'm going to say manhole just remember the story about being in a manhole when I was a kid in nursery school <laughs> but I'll not talk about that anymore but yeah thanks for the question I appreciate it but I've got a couple of good scars over there over the years like but that funny one's coming back and I remember falling down that wee, man, that wee manhole and then sort of whacking my shin and going fuck that hurts and I was like ah. Oh. And getting up and going, what the fuck? Some kid left a fucking grating whole thing open and I fell down. And and then I thought, nah, I'm all right. No, and then I got up the next morning, my leg was really sore. And I was like, what happened? My fucking leg lost. I'm so sore. And I looked down and went, oh, shit. Nah, I need to go to Banger Hospital. <laughs> there you go. Un-fucking-believable. But there you are. That, that's one for you, Steve. A scar across my shin. And still this day, Lewis doesn't even like looking at it. He thinks it's a weird-looking thing, but... That's what happens when you do when you're young and stupid. Now, this is one that's really interesting. Now, I didn't want to read it out in Tuesday's podcast because <laughs> it's a family-friendly one. But uh, I don't even want to know. Uh, this is just... I look at this and go, what the fuck is going on? Anyway, Chris and Debbie from Scotland have sent me a message. A couple. This is a great question. I want to try and break this down for you. They pretty much want to know, have I got any uh, crazy dating stories where it entails crazy people, bad stories, or anything in general where you end up having to do a walk of shame? Have you ever done a walk of shame home from a night out? And also, have you ever woke up in any crazy places? Okay. This is going to be interesting. And I did tell you, I was going to be honest with you on this here. This is going to be the last one for today, so figure this one out. <laughs> okay, I'll give you a story from back in the day in a pub in Bangor years ago at about 20, 21, 21, because before I got married when I was 23, Brick and Lewis's mum had to be, we had to be a bit of a break for about six months where we were on our own, but I obviously went out with my friends and stuff like that. So this one particular night I was sitting in a bar in Bangor, which is the bar, Shelburne, in the Nameless, sitting with my old friend. And we're sitting in the bar having a few pints and we saw these two girls across the bar. And we're thinking to ourselves, oh yeah, beautiful girls. And we noticed that one of them had an accent. And I was thinking, okay, foreign girls, sweet. You know, you're in your early 20s, you're thinking to yourself, hmm, foreign girls, I've heard stories about foreign girls. Apparently their their accents are beautiful and, you know, they're just, just exotic women. And, you know, you get all these thoughts when you're a young man. 
So we finally got the balls to go up and talk to them and they ended up being two girls from Germany. And I was always thinking, oh, German girls, happy days. My mate, being the dirty wee pervert he was at the time, he was like, mate, do you ever hear those stories about German girls? They're, they're fucking, they're dirty bitches. And I'm going, we'll see how it goes. Beautiful girl, beautiful looking girls, don't get me wrong, beautiful looking girls. And I'm thinking, they're thinking, oh, we've, we've got here, we've picked up here, this is great. Fuck me. I'm one of these things, guys, for hygiene. Right. My my view of it is a woman obviously if she present if she makes an effort for her man, I respect that. And at the end of the day, when you've got a partner or whatever it is in your life, I re- you respect the partner for who they are, whether they have makeup on or not or whatever it is. That, but when it comes to certain things, I have boundaries. Now I know girls in the eighties and stuff like that there used to have this, but when you're sitting here in that time of frame at the time and you look at what I just saw it was kind of like okay what the fuck's going on here this girl get up and leaned across the table after we got a round of drinks in to get a, uh, no lean across the table to get her drink and she had more her her on her fucking armpits than what I had on my head now, I know obviously I'm bald but I mean like back then I had a wee well shit I didn't hurt back then I think it was maybe just shaved short or she'd say more hers in her armpits than what I did in my fucking ass. And my, my armpits myself. And I was just like, what? So my mate, being my mate, turned around and goes to her. Here love, do you not, this is the way he speaks. Hey love, do you not shave your armpits? And she goes, I don't believe in shaving. And he went, what? You don't even shave your legs? Nope. Just shave your armpits? No. Just shave down below? No. Like, what the fuck? And then we start as more and more one, you start noticing more different things and my mate goes, I think her friend's got a mustache <laughs> <laughs> And I was just like, Well you lock yourself out there, you go ahead. That really put me off. I always remember that. I always call it the hurry German story. Not that I have anything against German women. But when it comes to certain standards, like especially like that, full hurry armpits, that just turns me to fuck off. That is not my cup of tea. Going away from that dirty answer to the second part of your question, you're probably thinking, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, I remember going to, well, started off in Bangor on the night out. And we ended up going from there, met these girls in a pub in Bangor. And the next minute, I woke up in this random house. And I'm going, where the fuck am I here? This is ridiculous. Like, this is crazy. What's going on here? So I woke up on a sofa and on the RB opposite sofa facing me was this girl she was lying she was fully clothed and all like we didn't sleep together or nothing like but this big lovely big country style house and I'm looking going this place is fucking huge the way houses out in the country are massive and I'm going where the fuck am I and I walks around the corner and sees who someone who was with lying on the sofa with some girl with a blanket around the two of them and I'm thinking no oh, they've just slept together or whatever so I'm going over here and try and wake him up here and they're probably going to be fucking naked or something but they weren't so I woke him up and I went, where the fuck are we? And he goes, I have no idea. So we finally got him up. Went into the SR downstairs room. There was an hour, two gir- an hour fellow and guard sleeping. Don't know who the fuck they were. Haven't got a clue. So anyway, we're trying to figure out. This is like back in what? 1990. 98? No. 99? I was 18. 99. 
See, old mobile phones were like back in 1999. They were fucking terrible. There was no smartphones or nothing back then. They were all them basic phones, you know, the iPads you talk shit and whatever. So I'm standing there looking and I'm going like, where are we? We need to figure out how the fuck we're getting home. I says, do you remember leaving Banger? And he goes, oh, I do. He says, we went to Belfast. And I went, what? Because we were in the bar from like four o'clock that day having a few beers and I was a day off from work and it was a Friday night and we were thinking, right, okay, we'll go down and have a couple of pints, whatever. He said, we went to Belfast and we went to a club and that's all I remember after that. And I'm going, okay. Let's try and put two and two together here, you know what I mean? Because different night is with your phone. You know, you fucking ask Siri or you ask something else or, you know, check on your phone where you are and you can find out in seconds that your GPS and all on your phone. But back then, obviously, there was none of that capability. So I'm standing in this big giant kitchen figuring out with the guy who I'm with going, where the fuck are we? So we thought, right, both our phones were dead, by the way. So we thought, right, we've got a bit of money. Let's head out and see if we can find a phone box. And this is <laughs> find a phone box. Like, who uses phone boxes nowadays? Walking along uh, down this road, and we saw this tractor come towards us. I'll never forget this to the day I fucking die. Stop the tractor. I go, excuse me, mate. I says, where are we? And where's the nearest phone box? Don't really say where we were. Now, I don't know why anybody there who lives outside Northern Ireland obviously knows where we are. But people who live inside Northern Ireland probably know where this is. He says, you're about a man and a half. And I'll put the accent on here. Country accent. He says, hi, boy. He says, you're about a man and a half outside Dundrum. Now, Dundrum is near Newcastle. And I looked at him and went, where? And I goes, where's the nearest phone box? Oh, you went down the wrong way. You go back there about a mile the other way. So we actually took a left. We should have took a right. The nearest phone box is about a mile down the road there by, and then they're near Dundrum. And I went, okay, thank you. And I looked the person who I was with because I'm not going to name them for a lot of reasons <laughs> I looked at him and went Dundrum how the fuck do we end up in Dundrum and he went I don't know mate the two birds that we had met were from Newcastle but they had a house just outside fucking Newcastle so what we had apparently done because you know how you, sometimes you get flashbacks from the night, the night out whatever what's probably happened is and I'm going to take a wild shot at this, is we probably fucking left Belfast and got a taxi to Newcastle or wherever the fuck we were. So we finally got a phone box, phoned his dad. His dad drove all the way down to Dundrum to pick us up. Stood in the middle of fucking Dundrum. It's so funny because when I go to Newcastle now, like I was in Newcastle a couple of years ago with mum and dad in Bergen Lewis, and we were driving through Dundrum. And I we drove past the wee part where we were standing waiting to get picked up. I never said nothing to them in the car because I knew they would have fucking killed me at the time, even though I was 18. But I drove past there and I remember looking at that wee spot going, fuck, there's the day we stood there. Remember that? Oh, Jesus. But it, we got into his dad's car and his dad's like, obviously effing and playing. How the fuck did you just end up in Dundrum? I was like, no idea. No idea. Uh, I always, I remember going home, I was going through all these different scenarios in my head, coming home thinking to myself, going, was our drink spiked? Or did we just drink too much? I, mean, I can't remember. But to this day, what is it, 23 odd years later, I still don't know how to figure out how the fuck we got there. Don't know how we got there. But that was a fun story. That was a fun... And, you know, I asked my, uh, the, the guy as well, I said to him, 
did we sleep with those girls as well? And he went, nah, mate, you passed out in the chair. And then that other girl just wanted me to cuddle into your back to go to sleep. And I went, okay, fair enough. He says, you passed out, and the other girl got pissed off because you passed out. And I went, what was their names? And he said he couldn't remember. So there you go. That's a, that's a more shameful one. Would you consider that a walk of shame? Like, would you consider that a walk of shame category as well? But that's another funny story for you. So there you go. Fucking nightmare. And this day we still can't remember how the fuck we get down there. I wasn't even how to get home. But how we got there, I will never know. So there you go. There. Thanks for your question, guys. I appreciate it. And sorry about the long story, but there you are. <laughs> guys, that's going to wrap it up. I've been talking here for, oh my goodness me, well over an hour and a half. Well, an hour and 40 minutes again. Uh... <laughs> I just I always remember that story and it just makes me laugh a swig of water for the working man <laughs> but anyway guys that's going to bring us to the end of the podcast for the Unleashed podcast this week uh, thank you for listening the way you've listened this, this long if you have I appreciate it um, once again I want to give you a wee quick plug here don't forget to check out our website mirrorarmy.co.uk for all your merch vlogs photographs the whole shebang of the Mirror Army um Get yourself a Murami hoodie, t-shirt as well. They are available. Guys, you want to go and get one now, you can certainly do that. Um, our ones are on their way, actually, so they should be here in a couple of days. Uh, yeah, the um, social media, guys, you can contact me on Instagram, official Matthew Moore. Don't forget to check out Lewis's channel as well and give him a wee bit of support too as well, guys. I appreciate it as we YouTube channel is doing quite well at the minute. Um, also, you want to contact us by email. Like those lovely people did, asking me about my walk of shame. Moor Army Podcast at yahoo.com Check out the Facebook page, Moor Army YouTube channel. Drop a like on that as well. And also, if you're listening to us here on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. Please, 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 please share it with everybody. Um, also, guys, if you can, obviously, you know, add us to your playlist on Spotify, Apple Music, and all the other sources as well. So we'd appreciate it. Back on Tuesday for another podcast, guys. I'll be recording the podcast on Tuesday from Liverpool. I'm going to Liverpool Monday so I'll be recording the podcast probably on either Monday night or Tuesday morning so I'll be recording from the lovely city of Liverpool so if you have any questions at all or anything I got there you can certainly certainly drop me a message and I will answer them on the podcast for the ones that I didn't reply to I'll probably mail you back directly because I'm off today so I want to spend a bit of time replying to a lot of Instagram messages and stuff like that so anybody who has sent me a message I will reply to you in due course please give me time uh, especially the emails and all too as well I'll get back to you as quick as I can guys because obviously I can't read them all because I want to spend the whole podcast just talking about uh, messages and stuff like that so but yeah I hope you've enjoyed the stories I hope you've enjoyed the, the walk of shame story I'll be back on Tuesday for a, another podcast so from Liverpool so stay tuned for that so until the next one guys thanks for all your support from the first couple of podcasts, I do appreciate it. Thank you for all your support on the YouTube channels. Also, thank you for all your support by merch and checking out our website. All support is appreciated, and we love you all for it. And without you guys being such fucking cool people and loving us, we absolutely worship the ground you walk, and we love you so much. Till the next podcast on Tuesday, guys, from Liverpool. See you all soon. <laughs>